All right, well, good morning to everyone. Uh, today's topic is going to be on endurance. And I think probably everybody in this room probably understands what uh, all that entails. Sometimes we talk about perseverance, and uh, those two are cl- closely related. And um, we're going to talk briefly about it, but I also want to talk about some ways in which or things that help us to endure or help us to continue doing those things uh, which are right. And in Matthew 10, verse 22, uh, if you recall the context here, this is actually when Jesus is sending out his disciples. Remember, he's sending them to, uh, to Israel. He gives them some abilities to perform some miracles. And he tells them that they're going to be, uh, as, as we see here, that you're going to be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end... Uh, will be saved. And we recognize that this applies to us. This same principle applies to us today. We see uh, Revelations 2 and verse 10 as well. It talks about the need for endurance and that, uh, contrary to what others may say, it's not going to be just a cakewalk for uh, Christians if you're doing those things, if you're you're really uh, acting as though a Christian should. And you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated. You're going to receive uh, uh, some, uh, uh, there's going to be some contention uh, in your life uh, from those that are around you if you're doing uh, what, uh, what Jesus wants us to do. And, but he recognizes this as those that endure, those that continue going on, they, st- they keep pushing forward. They endure it all the way up to the end. They will be saved. And that word is uh, used several times in the scripture. Just as kind of a graphic that shows how that word endure is used. And as you can see, I mean, we can kind of see from these other the other ways in which it is used. Kind of gives us some indication about uh, you know what this word means. Uh, we see a lot of times it means patient. You know, I think a lot of times when you know a lot of times for us as Christians when we think about enduring again we think about enduring some type of persecution I think about you know maybe I'm enduring some person at my work that I just he's 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 pushing me and I'm enduring or maybe a parent that's enduring their their kids maybe they have some unruly kids that they're in, enduring but when we think about uh maybe in the physical sense, what does endurance mean? Uh, endurance mean for us. If somebody's running, what does endurance mean? How do I build that endurance? And, you know, in, 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 in many ways, it's similar there. Just as I would maybe think about building some endurance for maybe running a marathon or maybe I'm weightlifting or whatever it may be, there are some similarities uh, with all of this. In 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25, he says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And I don't think this is, this is not, uh, I, you know, Paul is not just, uh, I, I think he, there's, there's a point that's really being made here by comparing this to uh, competing for some type of prize or somebody's training for a prize, and that they are temperate in all things. There's things in which we do that I would not rather want to do. Maybe it's I'm waking up at 5 a.m. to go run or do whatever it may be when I really don't want to do it. 
or you abstain from certain things, right? You're not uh, going to the buffet every day or whatever it may be, or you may not be drinking the Diet Cokes or the regular Cokes as as many as you'd want to do, even though they all taste good and we really like them. But there's things in which we avoid. Now, we recognize that when when I'm training for, for those things here on this earth, they are doing it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So if they are having this self-control, uh, they're controlling what they're taking in, they're controlling what they're, or what they're doing, then how much more should it be for us that we control our own uh, desires, uh, that we abstain from certain activities and maybe, and maybe do, do certain things that may be in, uncomfortable for us? I'm sure there's probably everybody in this room that there's probably just a little bit of uncomfortableness. When you go talk to somebody about the Bible or somebody who's not a believer and you're talking about those things, there's probably a little bit of uncomfortableness there. It's just, a little, it's just something that uh, there's maybe this little bit of tension there. But we still do those things. We still ought to do those things. But we're doing those things for an imperishable crown. And think about what all it takes to compete you know what if i am you know if i'm if i decide i'm going to go run that marathon three months from now what is it going to take for me and for me now to compete for others it may not take so much but somebody that say i'm just starting off right or you think about maybe somebody who's just become a christian what all does it take to compete for this imperishable crown i think one of the most important aspects is the mind and setting our mind right uh to uh to perform uh to perform uh great uh this article here is from bbc it talks about i was looking at some stuff about people training or athletics or whatever it may be and I found this interesting quote here when they're talking about the things that may be really needed for endurance athletes here. It says, There's no doubt that long distance running goes hand in hand with mental fortitude. There are Japanese Buddhist monks who run a thousand marathons in a thousand days on the road to enlightenment. And there's a self transistence race where competitors run 3,100 monotonous miles around a single city block. Now, that, that's, that's, that's remarkable, right? And you can train and train and train, but you think about those people that are running the 1,000 marathons and 1,000 days. It's really hard to train to just be able to do that and just like, yeah, I know when I set off on this, I'm going to be able to do it because I'm physically capable. There's some mental fortitude there. There is some just mental toughness when I was playing football coaches would say this mental toughness that you would have to have in order to do these things think about that 3100 miles around a single city block that would get pretty boring I mean it would I mean there's man it, it that would just be tough and it's you know it's not just the the physical abilities but just that mental toughness to be able to endure uh, that type of activity for so long and then just uh you know really just the the boredom that accompanies that uh for such a long time and again i think the mind is i think the you know the mind plays a key factor 
uh, in this. And if we don't have our mindset right, you think about it, um, some of you probably see the shows about the, the people that are extremely overweight and they're trying to lose weight and they put them on the TV show, which I don't think they should be on TV. But they, you know, we have some that they will lose a lot of weight very quickly. And, and, and then we have, then there'll be some that will actually gain weight throughout that whole process. And all of them, when they get on that show, they all say that they want to lose weight. I mean, obviously they would say that and so you know for and, and and we see that they say that they want it but they're not willing to do what was necessary to lose that weight and so for us i mean even an atheist would say i want i would want to go to heaven even even if i may not believe heaven exists if i'm wrong i would want to go to heaven if there if if there was an afterlife and everybody wants to get so everybody wants to go to heaven but Am I willing to do what's necessary to complete it or to, to complete what's necessary uh, to go to heaven? And that's where the mind uh, comes in. And 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12 says, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. And some of you probably recognize this text and recognize that chapter is not talking about endurance. It's talking about helping needy saints. And Paul says that there is a willing mind is accepting according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So what is he saying there? He's saying if you're wanting, if you're, if you're wanting to help, it doesn't matter about the quantity. What matters is that you're doing it. All right, and so recognize when he's talking about this willing mind, he's not just saying, "Well, as long as you just think about it, you know, as long as, as long as you're thinking about it." He's not saying that it's the thought that counts here. He says that you had a desire, and then you also fulfilled that. In verse eleven, in Second Corinthians eight says, "But now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have." All right, and so then he starts talking about the willing mind. Those they are connected. There has to be a desire. All right, so think about the desire to lose weight. Okay, well, is, is that all that's necessary? Obviously not. I wish it was, but that's not the case. And so there also has to be a completion out of what you have. All right, so a desire and completion. All right, so this is what this willing mind looks like. So do we have this willing mind uh, to endure persecution, endure those people that, that hate us for the hope of salvation? All right? Do we really have that mindset? All right? So if I desire to run a marathon today, will I complete it? Okay. And uh, I think I'll... I'd be good for a few miles, uh, but I, I don't think I'd get to mile 10 before I'd look like this woman here, all right? And so I can really want it, right? I can have that mindset. It's like I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to run that marathon. I'm just totally convinced that I'm going to do it in my mind, all right? But there comes a point where my physical ability just won't let me do it. You think about I think they're the saying with older people that it's like, you know, I have a mind or whatever, a 20-year-old, but my body, my body of an 80-year-old. And so it's like, I want to do it, but you're just not able to do it, all right? And so 
we have to have that right mindset, but there has to also be some type of training, all right? If I'm going to complete this marathon, I have to have the mind, but I also got to be willing to spend some time beforehand building up my endurance, training, you know, maybe running miles and miles beforehand, weeks, months before that marathon starts, all right? So there has to be some type of training involved as well. In Luke 6 and verse 40, it says, The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher, all right? Notice that last phrase, everyone who is perfectly trained is going to be like his teacher. And, 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 you know, really when you think about it, if you remember Romans 6, it's, it, Paul talks about really you're going to be a slave of something. You're either going to be a slave of sin or you're going to be a slave of righteousness. Really, uh, all of us are going to be trained by something in our life, uh, whether it's the good type of training or the not good type of training. Think about Ephesians 6 and verse 4. It says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. All right? So here, it talks about the fathers doing the training, but it's the training and admonition of the Lord. All right? So we can be trained by the Lord. All right? And, of course, I think we recognize what all that entails. The fathers are doing that, but they're growing with knowledge of the Lord. They're following the Lord's will. They're being trained uh, by God. But we also see in 2 Peter chapter 2, in the last part of verse 14 and verse 15, uh, talking about these false teachers here. It says, Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices, and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of righteousness. So we have people being trained of the Lord, and then we have these individuals here that they have their heart trained in covetous practice. Interesting the way Peter puts that. It's like they they didn't just decide. They've... Something has been going on in their life that they they just been trained to act like this. Uh, that they're they're becoming they're just they're this is who they've become over time. All right, and so you know who do we want to be, or rather, what are we going to be? Recognize that there's that contrast there. Uh, we can be trained by the you know really the world and and sin. Or we can be trained by God, all right? And so all of us are going to be trained by something. And we can't just be, well, we're just going to have a little bit of both. Well, if we have a little bit of both, it's the same as those, that, those people there. You're going to end up in the same situation as those individuals, all right? So it's got to be one or the other, all right? But how can we know that we're being trained properly? So if I am someone who desires to do what is right and... You know, I'm examining myself, and I want to know, am I being trained properly? Am, you know, does, you know, does my life kind of match up with this training and admonition of the Lord, or does my life kind of match up with what we saw in 2 Peter 2? I'm being trained in covetous practice. I'm being trained in sin. So how do we know that? And, you know, really, the way that we could know that is by our fruit. 
Uh, in Hebrews 12, verse 11, it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay? So, of course, this is talking about chastening here. But how do you know you've been trained by this chastening here? Well, you can know if there's some fruit of righteousness. If there's a change... All right, you're living more righteously. You're acting more righteously. You're gaining the fruits of the spirit that we we'll talk about here in, the, in in a few minutes. All right, you can know that it's working if you see it in your life or you see it in other people's <coughs> life. And generally, of course, I know this is talking about chastening, but in in reality, uh, I think in general, uh, we can know uh, that if this training is working, is if our actions are are, are lining up with you know, with that training, all right? And we can know who we are really being trained by, by our actions, by our thoughts, by our words, right? So if I'm, and, you know, you think about if I'm constantly surrounding myself with ungodly things, what's that going to result in? I think we all understand that. But if I'm surrounding myself by godly things, I'm reading the scriptures, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrounded by godly people, then it's going to affect the way that I act, all right? And so we can know that. So if our actions aren't lining up with what we desire to be, and we all would say that we desire to go to heaven, my actions aren't lining up with that, well, then we, we need to check. Check ourselves. Check what we're being trained by. Make some changes in our lives. Just like the person that, Maybe they wanted to lose weight and they realized that the, the first weigh-in they actually gained 10 pounds that week. Well, there's obviously some changes that need to be made, all right? We can't go to Popeye's anymore, even though, they, you know, even though it tastes good. There's got to be some real changes that have to be made. We can't just hope, hope ourselves to, to make those changes or, or to lose weight. We actually have to apply uh, these principles, all right? Galatians 5, verse 19 and 26, says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become seated, provoking one another, envying one another. And so there's, there's this contrast here. So we have the works of the flesh, and of course this is not a... Uh, exhaustive list these are all sin those that practice those things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God and then we have that contrasted with the fruit of the spirit alright and so notice we have this list and then he says those who are Christ have crucified the flesh so we have the works of the flesh here and then he says those who are Christ have crucified the flesh so you're not participating in those activities on the top there, but rather you are uh, 
growing in that fruit of the Spirit. You're acquiring those characteristics, growing in those characteristics, uh, which are described as the fruit of the Spirit here. And he also says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, right? So if we are, you know, we're Christians, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in those things that are of, of the Spirit. So which one of these are us, all right? And so if this isn't you, then you haven't done this, all right? If you're not growing in these, and I'm not saying you just immediately have all of this perfectly, but if you're not growing in these or you're not, and you don't have these characteristics or any of those characteristics, then it's safe to say that you haven't crucified the flesh, all right? And so this is you. Right, so you haven't crucified the flesh. So even though you may may not be doing these things, you're still living in the flesh, and it's still you're still going to be in the same position as those who practice those things. You're still not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You have to crucify uh, that flesh with its passions and desires, and that's a process. Again, recognize that this is not you no. Know, I become a Christian, I automatically have all these characteristics perfect. No, but we work on them. We grow in them, all right? And that's what we ought to be doing. That's part of that training as well. We train ourselves uh, to be more like that. Think about this idea of, you know, obviously, like long-suffering, all right? That takes practice, (laughs) all right? And self-control, that takes practice, all right? I think we all recognize that's that's some stuff that takes, uh, we have to really have that will, that right mindset to have uh, those characteristics, all right? So how are we trained? We talked already a little bit about some of these, but we talked about in Hebrews 12, we're trained by chastening from the Lord, right? And so the end result of that ought to be that we have this peaceful fruit of righteousness, as uh, as the writer describes it, all right? And so the Lord is disciplining us, uh, you know, and, of course, that could take a, in many different forms, but the Lord is doing that for us becoming better because he loves us, because he cares for us, not just because he's, you know, he just wants to hurt us, all right? Much like our parents, okay? We're trained by the Word. In Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. All right? So think about that for for a minute. He's not saying here that, well, I'm reading your word so I know what sacrifice to offer today or whatever it may be. He's doing this specifically so that he won't sin against God. He's put those words in his heart. This is not just I mentally know these things. I have some mental knowledge of it. I put it in those, my heart. I'm applying it. Why? So I won't sin against you. We're trained by our parents. All right? Of course, we talked about this before. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Uh, we're trained to bring up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That's directed to fathers. I, obviously, I don't think that's exclusive to fathers, but it explicitly says it's training and admonition of the Lord. We're trained by our friends and acquaintances. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And, of course, I think it's vice versa as as well. But, you know, there's 
you know, we think about maybe the people that we're around at work, whatever we may be, may be maybe we're in some just rough trend group. Uh, we need to separate ourselves from that. Uh, for like our workforce, it doesn't mean I'm not advocating just to uh, just quit your job because you're around those people. Uh, if you really have a problem, maybe you, you know, maybe you should, but limit the time that you spend around them. I'm not saying that you can't be, a, that you completely shun these people. You ought to be a good influence. You ought to be able, you ought to be able to talk to them about these things when you can. But there has to be some type of limited influ, uh, limited amount of influence that they have on you. And if you are just surrounded by these individuals all the time, we see that Paul does not say, "Well, your your good habits are going to change them." Rather, he says, "Evil company corrupts good habits." If you're always around it, you're going to be changed, most likely. All right. So we have to recognize that we limit those. Uh, limit our uh, time around those individuals, but yet we ought to be spending more time if this evil company can change me, well, maybe I ought to spend more time around good company because they will probably have a good influence on me. And so I selectively choose those in which I spend a lot of time around, all right? And again, it doesn't mean that I never say hey or whatever to these other individuals, Uh, but I'm not going to go watch the football game Friday night at their house. I just won't do that because I just don't want to uh, spend uh, all that time around uh, these types of individuals, right? We're trained by our surroundings, okay? And I think a lot lot of times people have this argument of, well, why... Why can't I go to the bar if the only thing that I'm doing at the bar is watching the, 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 the game on the big TVs? And I just, I, you're surrounding yourself by all of this, and you're going to tell me that you're honestly are not going to be affected by this. It's, it's fascinating to me that you, that, and that when you are surrounded by these types of situations, and of course you can say, well, I'm strong and I'm not going to be affected by it, but... There's going to come a time, I, I just don't see how there's not going to be a t- come a time in which you are going to be tempted by something that's going on in those types of surroundings, right? And so, it starts this process towards sin, all right? And so, why would I willingly put myself in a situation where it's most likely I'm going to be tempted in some way at some time, Okay? And if I'm not, if I don't have my mind right, I'm going to be drawn away by my own desires and recognize when those desires have conceived, it gives birth to sin. That's, those surroundings start working on me, all right? And so, again, it's similar to uh, what we talked about with the friends and acquaintances. If I'm surrounded by that atmosphere all the time, it's going to affect me negatively, all right? And so what do we surround ourselves with? And not just maybe going into a bar, but you think about the movies that we watch, the, 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 the songs that we listen to. All that stuff can affect us. It kind of, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I think about this idea of um, a searing our conscience. We don't become as affected by those types of things when we kind of indulge and see all those and hear all those things constantly. 
and it can sear our conscience, and, and again, we can get drawn away into sin. So be careful about you know, what situations you put yourselves into. Are you going to put yourself in a situation in which you're going to be tempted, or are you going to put yourself in a situation in which and recognize we're in this world and we're not going to be in a situation where everything is hunky-dory all the time, but recognize that are we going to intentionally put ourselves in situations in which we know, which we know, this is going to happen, all right? I just, I don't understand that. I don't understand why some people would do that and just say, well, you know, I'm not engaging in sin. I'm just surrounded by it all the time. That's, that's not the mindset that we ought to have, all right? So we talked about our mind. We talked about our training. And now we're talking about our diet here, okay? Now, thinking again of going about the going to the marathon or having or or, or fixing to go and uh, run that marathon, and then I stop by the Golden Corral before I I run the marathon. How do you think that's going to work out, right? <laughs> I know how it's going to work out for me. I don't know about y'all. Some of y'all may be able to handle that, all right, but. I'm going to make it about five minutes, and I'm going to be, it's, it's over with, okay? I'm not going to be able uh, to do that. And so what do we, what do we, uh, you know, what is our, quote, diet? You know, what are, we, what are we consuming on a daily basis? Think about that in a spiritual sense, all right? And, again, that kind of goes back to what we talked about in, in James 1, you know, our surroundings as, as well. But, are we reading God's Word constantly? Uh, again, Psalm 119 and verse 11, we already looked at this, right? You know, and, and what does, what did, what did David's scripture reading schedule look like? And just think about that for a moment. Well, just somebody, he's like, well, you know, I got some extra time. I figure I might read a chapter or two. Or was, you know, maybe I'll, or, maybe, or did he just, uh, maybe he just read a little bit, maybe once a month, maybe once a quarter, Maybe those times in which they were prescribed by the law to come together and read the law, maybe that was the only time that he read the Word. I don't think any of that is true. And we see that with his mindset here, right? He's constantly reading the Word, constantly putting those things into his heart, right? In Philippians 4 and verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good, good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. All right? So you think about that for a minute. How do I know what is pure? What, how do I know th- what things are true? How do I know what things are noble? I got to have some knowledge of God's Word before I even know what things are good, noble, just, pure. And then I'm to meditate on, the, on those things, which means uh, that you're spending a lot of time meditating on his word, right? You're not meditating on, you know, maybe that R-rated movie or whatever that uh, you shouldn't be watching, all right? And if you are, that is you. If you're, again, you're, you're doing these things and you're, you're consuming your you know, mind with these things, uh, you know, how is that going to affect you spiritually, right? This is what we ought to be meditating on, okay? And, again, there's good reason why he would want us to do these things. It affects what we do. You know, what, what is in our mind, what is in our hearts, 
is going to come out uh, through our actions. Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth comes from the heart, and they defile the man, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. All right? So again, where do those things come from? Of course, Paul, uh, Jesus was having discussion with Jews about uh, being clean while they're eating, so on and so forth. And he tells them, this is what the real issue here, all right? The things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. What is he saying? He's saying the things which you talk about, things which you say, all right? Those things defile a man, and those things originate in the heart. So again, if I'm meditating on those things which are good, noble, true, they're in my heart, how is that, that going to reflect uh, in my speech? in the things that I do. It's going to be noticeable. I'm going to be able to notice it. You're going to be able to notice it. You know, think about uh, people that are, you know, it's noticeable when somebody has been studying the Word or not because they begin to pick up on things and see things and to be able to talk about it more. And they may say, well, what about this verse here and there? We know those things. We recognize, well, that person's been reading his Bible, all right? And so if you've been meditating on the right things, we're going to see it in the way that you act, the way that you talk. And if you are not meditating on those right things, we're going to be able to see it as well. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies, all right? So can I effectively train? Can I effectively endure with the above diet? Right? So if this is me, oops. If this is me right up here, what's going to happen with my endurance? Alright? I could it's pretty well obviously what's going to happen, right? Your training is not going to be very effective if it is effective at all, and you're not going to be able to endure, all right? It's much like that person that goes to the buffet before the marathon. It ain't going to work out for you. It's just, it's all around a bad idea, okay? And so much like that, this, quote, diet can affect our training and endurance, all right? And so that's the end of my lesson. I, I hope it's been useful for those that are... Uh, that have that have heard this, and again, I think it's. I really wanted to think about some ways that would help our endurance. All right, we recognize that uh, God calls on us to endure to the end in order to be saved. But what are some ways in which we can help that? Right, and so really haven't talked about you know the scheme of salvation or anything of uh, of that manner, but. Recognize that those things aren't easy, but they have a great reward. And so if there's anyone here who's not a Christian, we'd certainly like to talk with you about those things. Uh, and if you are a Christian, and maybe uh, maybe you're struggling, and, and you know maybe you are uh, surrounding yourselves with ungodly influences that are affecting uh, your, uh, your spiritual life, affecting uh, your relationship with God, and need the prayers of saints, need to confess anything for whatever reason, uh, we certainly offer this time of invitation now as we stand and as we sing. Will you come? Why do you wait?